Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Unfortunately, no cap. She's literally dead. Right now. So, she's laughing? That's good news. No, I, I mean she's literally dead. Like, dead, dead. Hi, I'm Madison Malone-Kircher. And I'm Rachel Hampton, and you're listening to I See Why Am I. In case you missed it. Slate's podcast about internet culture. Rachel, this past weekend was perhaps one of the most delightful and also terrible days to be on social media. You know what I'm talking about? Of course I do. Every year, Mother's Day, where I find out how many of my friends have hot moms and how many of them are willing to post a photo where clearly the mental calculus was, I look good in this photo. Does my mom? I don't really care. <laughs> Brief pause to say, hello, moms of ICYMI. We love you lots. We and love you. About you. We're so glad you listen to this podcast to keep up with your children. <laughs> it is a, notoriously a rough day on the internet. Um, For a lot of people, I think, if you don't have a great relationship with your mother or a relationship at all or trying to be a mother, there's just, you know. Every year, I kind of just try to hype up my friends who don't necessarily have the best relationship with their moms. Because the thing is, I feel like daddy issues are kind of overplayed. Mommy issues, like hot, nuanced, complicated. I told my friend this. I think like Sunday morning. And then I was scrolling through TikTok Sunday evening and I ran into this TikTok that says everything that I said, but better. A lot of people have a lot to say about daddy issues. But all the hot girls know that nothing gets like mommy issues. And today's our day. This TikTok features this, you know, young woman dancing around her room. And at first you just hear music, and then she comes in and looks at the camera, and it just says something along the lines of, like, babes, mommy issues are hot girl shit, you know? Like, daddy issues overplayed. That did not have to go that hard. It didn't. Like, she did what needed to be done. So I send my friend this video on TikTok through their, like, messaging service. And I say, I told you. Hot girl shit. And it's not until she responds later to the TikTok that I realize that my message never sent. The video did, but not the message. Because according to TikTok, this, I'm quoting from the message they sent me, They said, this message violated our community guidelines. We restrict certain content and actions to protect our community. If you believe this was a mistake, have feedback to let us know. And I was just like, whoa, I didn't realize that y'all were reading my DMs. Like, I knew that the platform censored content that you posted. Although so many people say hot girl shit. Like, I literally think the, the TikTok girl said hot girl shit in that video but me writing it in a message was apparently against tiktok's community guidelines i was just like (laughs) what's going on here wow big tiktok has silenced you they have silenced me from supporting my friend (laughs) 
<laughs> it is funny because like hot girl shit is such a a TikTok meme at this point. Like it's been become a force unto its own, divorced from the song from once it came. Yeah, it's fully. I don't know why I phrased it like that. Own. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, wow, we're going real proper here. Like, hot girl <laughs> shit is a land of its own now, but apparently not in the TikTok DMs. Should we be surprised? No. Am I uncomfortable? Yes. <laughs> Just keep on doing hot girl sh asterisk t. <laughs> I'm really gonna be like censoring. <laughs> myself hot in my girl DMs. sheet hot girl schist <laughs> like schist an igneous rock known for banding and distortion <sighs> okay seventh grade biology teacher oh ninth grade earth science thank you very much my academic oh. peak oh oh somebody about to write in and be like this is not igneous madison you remembered that wrong i just feel like perhaps ninth grade we should have progressed beyond ninth grade at our big age but you know it's okay. Mm, that that's that tees up nicely what we're going to talk about today, Rachel. Does it? <laughs> mm, no, but we can shoehorn a transition into anything. <laughs> Lead me into your transition. We're actually debuting a new segment here on ICYMI today, uh, named after one of our favorite TikTok audios. In oh no, oh no, oh no, 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 no. We're going to delve into internet uh, ephemera of the week that makes you have that exact reaction. And the thing that made us go, oh no, oh no, 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 this weekend was Elon Musk hosting SNL. It is true. Elon Musk did host SNL this last weekend, which was um, newsworthy. That's maybe the kind word, controversial. That's the less kind word for a couple of reasons. Uh, <laughs> Elon Musk, of course, the CEO of Tesla and SpaceX, you know, in his, his opening monologue, he talked about having Asperger's, you know, they did a, a segment about Dogecoin, and we are going to talk about none of that. Instead, we are going to talk about one particular aspect of one particular sketch that caught our attention, mostly because I refuse to talk about Dogecoin, and this is more important. <laughs> the sketch is called Gen Z Hospital, and in it, Elon Musk plays a doctor delivering some bad news to a group of Zoomers. We now return to the thrilling conclusion of Gen Z Hospital. Bro, nobody's telling us anything. Is Bestie gonna be okay? Nurse, we demand to know how our Bestie is doing. I'm sorry, bro. I told you I don't have that information yet. Bruh, seriously? I'm so pressed right now, bro. In this video, it is four presumable Gen Z people who are clearly not Gen Z. It's like Bowen Yang and Kate McKinnon. Hey, Bestie cannot die like this. Big facts. She's gonna make it, bro. Mikey Day has a fanny pack, but like not worn as a fanny pack. Is this Morgan Squad? Gang, gang. Elon Musk comes in and he's like, I have some bad news, no cap, or some shit like that. And it, it just keeps going and going and going, where they just keep sprinkling in sus, dead ass, cringe. We couldn't surgery, and it was sus for a while, but we have your bestie on a machine, and we're doing everything we can. So, bestie's gonna be okay, right? I'm sorry, but uh, at this particular time, that's looking like Cap. I don't really 
have any words to describe that, except that <laughs> I saw a one-minute version of this on my timeline, and I thought, oh, that's it. There's no way that there's more. It's just really bad. And then I realized it was four minutes, and I wished for the sweet release of death, which was not granted to me. I took about 15 minutes to watch the four-minute clip because I took breaks. Uh, <laughs> Bo and Yang, blink twice if you're you're being forced to do this against your will. <laughs> Hashtag free Bo in 2021. He looked like he did not want to be there. He knew. <laughs> he knew this was bad. <laughs> Yo, millions of people flip their Hellcat on live every day, cuz. Yeah, you know that. So the internet gets a hold of this video. And they're like, <laughs> what the fuck is this? To the point that AVE trends on Twitter on Sunday. Always a sign that the the discourse is going to be fruitful, that people are really going to get into the meat and the heart of the issue. It's going to be super nuanced. People are clearly upset. They're saying things like what SNL seems to think is Gen Z language is actually words that are largely cribbed from AAVE, which stands for African-American Vernacular English. Words and phrases like no cap, or just saying bruh, or at one point they call everyone a squad, or I think generally any word that is used in this (laughs) sketch that is not sound organic coming out of these people's mouth can probably be squarely traced back to the Black and queer communities. It's being kind of framed as general Gen Z internet parlance. And just to make it clear, the word slash phrase Black community is kind of a misnomer in that Black people represent a lot of different communities. And boiling AVE down to a few words is just wildly inaccurate. And so I will say one thing that the Gen Z hospital thing did correctly was just how badly people are using these words and like how cringe it sounds coming out of their mouths. Right. Like they they said the quiet part out loud there by naming the sketch Gen Z hospital and not, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, obviously it doesn't quite roll off the tongue, but like black LGBTQ phrase hospital, <laughs> AAVE hospital, like that... <laughs> I mean, they clearly had enough time to have an entire skit about how the Black community is uniquely skeptical of the COVID vaccine when it's about access and not about vaccine skepticism, but they can't go so far as to be like, (laughs) most of these words are not actually just Gen Z. And so there's this backlash. There's all these tweets. People are tracing it back to specific internet stars who have made the same mistake of describing words that mostly come from AAVE as stan language. Specifically, they're talking about Brittany Broski, otherwise known as Kombucha Girl. Kombucha Girl, if you're not familiar, became like incredibly famous. Like I cannot overemphasize how famous this woman became for a video in which she drinks a kombucha and goes on just like a face journey while experiencing that bizarre, fizzy, fermented sort of ass, but you paid a lot of money for it, taste that is kombucha. Yeah, it's carbonated vinegar. I still drink it, but it is a journey. And so back in July, she had this video where she described AVE as just internet culture. She says, so when someone is quoting that, or when someone says period, sis, whatever, it's very much internet culture, like Stan Twitter. Stan culture has its own language. This is how you speak within these online communities. 
She's arguing that creators shouldn't be penalized for saying AVE is now part of how, quote unquote, everyone speaks. You'd be hard pressed to find a Britney Broski content in which she's not saying like trial or period with a T at the end. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Period. Like part of her branding was borrowing from AAVE or as she calls it, stan language. The way a lot of non-Black people use these words is extremely cringe. Like, if I have to hear one more white person say per or period with a T, like, I'm going to throw myself off a cliff. Do not call me a sis. Do not call me a queen. Do not refer to me as your bestie because I am not. However, to place the blame entirely on, like, Brittany Broski or any other white TikTok creator is unfair and doesn't really take into account the fact that this kind of quote-unquote borrowing or in most cases kind of stealing of Black and queer language is kind of as American as apple pie. It's funny too because we have a couple of like really commonplace examples you know, in, in millennial language, like cancel culture and woke, I think are two examples we talk a lot about on this show. Like white, white folks, we didn't, we didn't invent those terms. Didn't invent those terms. Also don't even use those terms correctly. That is a whole nother episode about the way woke specifically has been bastardized into like a cry for fascism, but I'm not even going to get into that at this point. But flattening <laughs> this into a kind of like Gen Z is uniquely bad at this, is divorcing it from a historical context. Since, you know, Elvis Presley decided to cover You Ain't Nothing But a Hound Dog. Or, you know, just watch Dreamgirls. Just watch Bring It On. I was going to say, Cadillac, car, Google it. (laughs) You'll get the gist. And the gist is, (laughs) this has always been happening. What the internet has done which it's very great at, is divorcing things out of their original context and turning them into something else. It gets really dicey having kind of cultural appropriation conversations because of how much the internet has just, quote-unquote, democratized or decontextualized, I think is the best word for it, where things come from. Rachel, I'm really sorry that you chose to make a pie metaphor because it did (sighs) unlock for me a horrible, a horrible memory Do you remember a couple years ago, there was like this 10-year-old little white boy named George Dalton who did a cover of Trap Queen in which he like literally bakes pies in a kitchen? It's like a doo-wop-esque cover of Trap Queen by, you know, Fetty Wap Trap Queen uh, by a tiny child. I'm like, hey, what's up? Hello. You look pretty awesome as you came in the door. I just want to chill, got some dough for us to roll. In this video, it's a bunch of like 10 year old kids, all stylized, sort of 1950s retro. And they're all riding around in this like top down convertible. And George Dalton, the kid singing, is like in the back with his arm like draped over his girl, the girl who's, you know, 10 also. I'm just upset. I'm upset. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sorry a, to upset I'm you, but the thing, upset. the thing that's dredged up for me is what sort of you were just talking about is like, this is a generation who have been raised entirely online. Like, this should have raised flags <laughs> to perhaps people older than this 10-year-old who I won't fault here. But for him, it probably seemed like this is normal. This is, this is okay. 
And I, it, the, the actual covering of the song is not the issue. The issue is how deeply corny it is. Like, so much of this comes down to, like, obviously there are important, like, social, political dynamics going on here. The thing that bothers me most is how cringe so much of this is. Like, I just, it's corny and bad. Please free me from this. I would like to be let off of this ride right now. Okay, okay, we will take a break. We're gonna take a break. Rachel's gonna take a lap and we will be back with more cringe-related content after the break. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. All right, we are back from the break. Uh, Rachel's resting heart rate has returned to a healthy place. Sure. Mostly because during our break, I was thinking about this really great piece from March 2020 by former Slate intern Rob Dozier, who is probably one of the smartest people on the internet. Rob wrote this piece right after Billie Eilish did this interview where she was kind of shouting out the Black creators who she very clearly looked up to, like Tyler, the creator, while at the same time kind of taking cheap shots at music genres that she was very clearly taking notes from. She said that all these rappers were just lying in their music and posturing and all of this stuff. But to be clear, that's different from... When she does it, because yes. when she does it, she's telling a story. Yes, yes. And it's like, ma'am, you are wearing acrylics. Uh-huh. Your entire <laughs> style is taken from 90s era hip hop and R&B. And if you don't understand that the kind of like bombacity that is endemic to the genre is in fact a part of it, then what are you? What have you even been listening to? What was the point? I feel like we should probably note that Billie Eilish is incredibly young, right? She's right now 19 years old. She was born in 2001. So this was last year. So she was probably 18, which is not to say she's not fully capable of forming thoughts and putting them out into the world. But her she prefrontal very... cortex is not developed. And this is her youth is important. It adds some important context to what I'm about to read from this piece that Rob wrote in Paper magazine. Rob says, the internet has provided for white youth who spent a large part of their adolescence on it, a front seat to the creation and distribution of black cultural products, black music, slang, and dances. But as these cultural products move across the internet, they get farther and farther away from the original context and meaning and often become collapsed under the simplistic label of youth culture. This isn't as democratizing as it seems. Rob essentially predicted 
that SNL sketch yes. in a single paragraph. I yes. like it's spot on. Exactly. And there's something else he says later, which I think is kind of really important in terms of this conversation around the concept of cultural appropriation, which is Gen Zers and the generations that will follow spend their most formative years online. Trends like acrylic nails and Nike Air Force Ones or words like fleek and deadass to them feel native and they likely don't have the awareness that they're borrowing something or the language to express it. I've been thinking about fleek a lot, actually, as we've been, you know, having this conversation and talking about this sketch, because Fleek was the product of a young Black woman named Peaches Monroe who never got the credit or the, you know, cachet or the literal cash that come with, you know, being a creator of something so, so culturally critical and ubiquitous. The phrase on Fleek comes from a vine of uh, from Peaches uh, back in 2014, which honestly, I thought it was older. And it's about, you know, when your eyebrows are on fleek, when your eyebrows are like perfectly shaped and filled and looking really great. We in this beach, finna get crunk. Eyebrows on fleek, the fuck? And what's really interesting about Peaches Monroe is that with most words, you cannot trace them back to their originators. And exactly. Peaches Monroe is one of the only times, I think, in the past five or six years where a word that has become so ubiquitous has a clear creator. And so it seems like perhaps the best possible time to actually credit and give money to the creator, and it didn't happen. And so the Peaches Monroe kind of saga combined with what Rob was saying is that this isn't new. This is a tale as old as time. This is, in fact, America's founding origin story. But, I mean, what's interesting about what the internet has done is that when, I don't know, America was stealing stuff from, like, indigenous tribes, you knew where it came from. Or when (laughs) Elvis was stealing from Big Mama Thorne, you knew who it came from. But the internet has so decontextualized everything that it's easy to see things and not have any sense of their original context and not having any sense in a lot of cases of the original political meaning of these things. So things as simple as like acrylics or hoops or internet slang, or AVE. And so it is too late to have that conversation. Mm -hmm. And we need to move beyond to the next level, which is like people are going to get a hold of words that they have never heard of before on the internet and maybe not know where they come from. And they should do their best to find out where they come from. And when they find out where they come from, they should be giving like respect and, I don't know, money to the communities that they come from. Like, there's something just really gross and there should be some kind of dissonance if you're regularly using Black culture production for your own clout and you're doing absolutely nothing to give proper homage to where it comes from. Rachel, I have a question, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, Because we've talked a lot about people doing this wrong and not giving credit and not treating AAVE with the the nuance and historical context it needs. Is there anyone who does it right? Does, does, like, is there a role model for uh, <laughs> for the next SNL sketch? <laughs> uh, there is no role model for SNL because SNL should be abolished. It's not funny. 
But in terms of creators who have... Oh, this is the end of our show. <laughs> if I get canceled for wanting to cancel SNL, I would ride that ship down to the bottom of the ocean because I firmly yeah. believe that SNL is not funny. However, I mean, when I think of somebody who like heavily borrows and has clear influences in Black culture production and who is not Black and who does not raise any like little like sirens in my head, I, I think of Bruno Mars. <laughs> to be completely <laughs> honest, like I'm, I need more. His music and his style are both deeply black. That man is not black, and yet whenever he's asked about his influences or who he takes inspiration from, he is very quick to point out that they are all black. All of his backup singers are all black. He mostly works in terms of his. Um, features with black artists. I think what bothers me so much about this conversation is that people will pretend that they came up with something. And mm -hmm. it's like, no, there's a rich history behind this thing that if you respect, you can also take part in, even though you will most likely sound cringe. <laughs> I... I'm not going to lie, I have felt a little like this episode was a setup just to get me to self-cancel, auto-cancel. I mean, I'm just here to inspire white guilt, really. That's my entire purpose in life. A job well done today, Miss Hampton. <laughs> so if you find yourself online about to post a tweet with what you think is some new internet slang that you've encountered, uh, maybe take a second, think about where it came from, find out where it came from. At the very least, I would like you to hear this sound in your head. That's the show. If you are listening for the first time, welcome. Thank you for joining us. We're so glad you're here. Uh, we'll be back in your feeds on Saturday. Uh, please subscribe. Our show is free and it's the best way to make sure you never miss an episode. If you really liked what you heard, leave us a rating and a review in Apple Podcasts and tell a friend to check us out. Uh, it really does help us to find new listeners. Just a reminder, we are still uh, looking to hear from anybody who is trapped on a weird side of TikTok. Uh, my example is that TikTok is convinced that I am a former Mormon. I am not. If that's you, send us a voice memo describing the weird side of TikTok that you can't escape at ICYMI at Slate.com. And you can always find us on Twitter. Our hashtag is ICYMI pod. ICYMI is produced by Daniel Schrader. Our supervising producer is Derek John. Forrest Wickman is Slate's culture editor. Gabe Broth is editorial director of audio. See online. Or not. Oh, fuck. It's metamorphic. It's metamorphic. <laughs> <laughs> Damn well, it. On next week's episode, Madison takes Earth Science again. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, this is Dahlia Lithwick, host of Slate's legal podcast, Amicus. If you're listening to this show, you might be interested in Amicus's live show that we're hosting in Washington, D.C., 
on Tuesday, May the 14th. My colleague, Mark Joseph Stern, and I will be talking to some amazing guests, including Sherilyn Eiffel and a sitting state Supreme Court justice, all about how originalism, a relatively recently invented way of interpreting the Constitution, has taken over the Supreme Court and radically reshaped the law. It's been doctrinal rocket fuel for the conservative legal movement and facilitated the rolling back of abortion rights, the expansion of gun rights, and the obliteration of the separation of church and state. And as another wildly consequential Supreme Court term careers to its end, the court's originalists are on a tear. But there's something you can do about it, and we hope you'll join us in D.C. on May 14th to explore the possible pathways out of the current situation. Go to slate.com slash amicus live for tickets.